0: Together, we will read Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Several years ago we had some friends over to our house for, for dinner. And, and these were kind of the kind of friends that were, we didn't have to impress. And, uh, and so we were, we didn't have dinner quite ready. And, and so they, when they got there, they just jumped in the kitchen and started helping us. And, and, um, and I was, Robin had assigned me to the kitchen to make brownies and I told this story two years ago and it's worth a repeat today if you were here. But um, so I'm making these brownies and I just put the mixture all together and, and I'm just mixing it up and I'm and, um, talking to Ken and and I didn't realize, but as that smell hit my nose, that chocolate, and that mixture, I just was mixing away talking to Ken but my mouth started watering. And uh, and as, as I'm Talking to Ken, this this uh oh it's kinda like a tropical raindrop size of drool falls from my bottom lip right into the bowl. And I saw it, I mean I saw it, but I, I wasn't sure Ken saw it, so I kinda stopped. And I was like you know and then and as I'm as I'm stirring the brownies, um Ken says to me, "Did you just drool in the brownies?" And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't. Didn't drool in the brownies." And, and then I, I just had to own it because it was like tropical raindrop size, right in the middle of the bowl. And I was like, "Well, okay, maybe I did, but I'm pretty sure it'll cook out. I'm pretty sure, and, and it'll cook out." And, and that day, that dessert was the most moist brownies I think we've ever had in our lives. And, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it cooked out. But, um, you know, there was nothing I could do at that point to get that drool out of the brownies. It was mixed. It was in the DNA of, the, of those brownies. And, and, you know, it's kind of like our sin, isn't it? When we were born, we were born sinners. We were born with this inherent part of our DNA that we were we were stuck and just like that song that we sang I love that last verse prone to wander Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love and that's all of us that's because of this this ingrained sin in our lives and 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 you know here's what we're doing over the next several weeks we're we're preparing for easter for, for our church, Easter is not just a Sunday morning. Easter is a, is a season. And, and, and for our Easter season began at Ash Wednesday. And, and, and we've been, and I hope that you're joining us. If you're not aware of this, we're, we're, we've challenged our church to go through this book by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. And it'd be worth your read, worth your time, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, an incredible book that, that kind of helps us recover the spiritual disciplines in our lives. And, and, and so now we're, we're progressing as we turn our face to, to the gospel on Sunday mornings to really understand the cross, and what Jesus did when he was on the cross. And, and, and I hope that you are, are with us during the Passion Week experience right before Easter. We're gonna transform this place and, and it's gonna be set up like the Passion Week, the, the steps of Christ on his journey to the cross. And I hope that, that you not only come and experience that, but that you bring someone with you because there's not a better way to help our friends and family understand the gospel than by walking through the steps of Jesus. And, and you can hold those instruments of suffering. And, and, and then it's gonna culminate in an Easter Sunday service as we, as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So I hope that you embrace the season of Easter with us. And you know, as we do this, we're, um, we're, we're, we're working to understand over the next few weeks as what, what Jesus really did on the cross, that he went to the cross, and, and it's important to understand the steps of the cross because, because he did all this because of our inherited, our ingrained sin, that that's who we were. But now, you know, Jesus has changed us. And and the the crux of this, if you're gonna think about this theologically, there's a a really important word in theology and and, and we we see it fleshed out in Scripture and it's the idea of, of atonement. The cross was the atonement. Now, what do I mean by atonement? Atonement, by definition, describes the work that was accomplished that Christ accomplished in his life and his death that earned our salvation. I mean, when when, it's this, it's this false idea that I see in the world that people think I can somehow earn my salvation. If I pray this prayer or give this money or do these things, then I'm going to somehow be worthy of salvation. But our salvation was earned for us on the cross. And it's important that we understand this. Now, now, On the cross, what Jesus was doing was taking on the punishment that we deserved. Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. He says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Now, that's an interesting idea. It's an important idea that, that, that Jesus, and, and, and as we prepare for Passion Week and as we walk through and hold those instruments of suffering, I think it's important that, that we need to understand what was going on. It seems strange that um, a substitute would be required for us, doesn't it? It seems strange that, that the, the punishment was so harsh. I mean, why was, uh, why did God have to do it this way? Couldn't there be another way that that God dealt with our sin? Why did it have to be so violent? Why did it have to be blood? Why was it so devastating and cruel? And and it's important that we, and we looked at this a little bit last week, that, that, that we, our greatest need was to be reconciled to God. That, 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 that was our greatest need, that we are we were born enemies of God. And we have a natural tendency to be enemies of God. And God, God moved us from this unfavorable position to a favorable position. And he did that on the cross. And here's the reality, and, and, and we've got to understand this. The Bible's very clear on this. That God will deal violently. I want you to think about this. God will deal violently with all evil and injustice. And, and this includes our own evil, our own sin. Now, now the, the Scripture is authoritative, and the Scripture reveals th- this truth that God deals violently with evil. And so th- this is where we begin today. as we, We're, we're going to be in Romans 3, Romans 5, what Brandy just read for us, so I want you to turn to Romans three and as and we're going to kind of springboard from where we were last week as we understand the cross, understand this punishment and investigate it's my prayer that we can investigate the cross and and understand our need for a substitute that that understand the punishment that God went through for us now point number one, if you have your notes, I want you to follow along with us that and I mentioned this last week, but I want it to be a focus this week, that, that God is the most offended party in every sin. And, and this is important for us to understand that when sin occurs, when you and I rebel against God and rebel against uh, someone else, that God is the most offended party. And that's true of every sin we make. In the book of Romans, Paul clearly points out and deals with God's wrath, how it he comes against sin in wrath because he's greatly offended. And and it's hard for us to recognize and embrace the fact that our sin really is despicable to God. That that's difficult for us. Because you you know we we want to think that, man, this isn't that bad. I'm not that bad. But, but, but the, the, the crux of this is we struggle to understand holiness. Holiness rolls off our tongue. God is holy. We've all said that. We've sung that. But, but it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around the holiness of God. You realize that, that if God physically showed up in this room, that we would not make it. We would not survive because of the holiness and, and, the, and the glory of God. And, and, and I think that, that we're not gonna fully understand this, and I'll, I'll say this over and over again, because I ride on death a lot, and so you're just gonna have to, sorry, you're just gonna have to deal with it, but, but, but I, I, we're gonna stand before God someday. There will come a day when we will all see God face to face. And that's the moment in our lives when we are gonna understand things fully and and it's my prayer that we we really understand that that when we stand before God we're going to see his holiness and we're going to be like whoa lord whoa the holiness of God is a in that moment we're going to understand point 1 today that that every sin is a great offense to God he's the one who is most offended and and this is something we we off, often overlook and and it's and, and we, under, we understand this a little bit. We understand offense. I mean, think about the last time. When's, when's the last time that, that maybe uh, um, you willfully committed a sin? Like, like think about it in your own life. When did you willfully commit a sin? You knew it was wrong, and you said, God, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it anyway. We need to understand that in that moment, the, the greatest offended was God. So if you cheat on your spouse, yeah, your spouse is greatly offended, but guess what? God is even more offended. If you um, cheat on your taxes, tax time's coming up, right? And if you cheat on those taxes, that it's not just your responsibility as a citizen, but it's God is offended. And we forget this. We don't understand this but that every sin is despicable to God and cannot be overlooked and this is just a reality but here's the beauty of what God has done for us and I don't want to miss the beauty of this the good news of this that 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 God did not have to offer forgiveness he did not have to offer forgiveness to us. He did not have to give us the atonement. He didn't have to come and, and, and suffer for us. He chose to offer forgiveness. God chose to forgive us and, and to walk with us and, and, to, and to make us right. And when you think about it, it makes sense because we're, we're offended by sin. It's easy to relate to this that, that the last time someone dis- disrespected you, how'd you feel? Felt offended, right? Um, you know, think of the last time someone mistreated you or, or the last time your kids disobeyed you, you were offended. And, and so we understand the idea of offense, but we forget often that when sin occurs that we greatly offend God. And, and, and I still believe that, that sin is the most difficult truth for our generation to admit. I said this last week. It's the most difficult truth to admit. We don't want to admit sin. And I saw it this week in the NCAA tournament. When that, remember, I, I don't know if you saw it, I saw it, the coach that was chewing out his player. And people were like, hey, how dare that coach coach him. I grew up, my dad was a coach. I've had my share of chewings by coach, and I, I needed it. And, and I've heard, I saw Twitter blow up, like I wish this would stop. And, and I'm like, but when you need to be corrected, We don't want to be corrected, and this is why our where our generation is struggling. We live at a time when the most wrong thing to say to someone is that they're actually wrong, and we struggle with the punishment on the cross because we 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 think that our sin is no big deal. We think we justify our sin, we justify our our lives because we struggle with this idea that we are at the center of the universe. And we do our best to de God God. Have you ever tried that in your life? That's part of our prone to wander. We want to take God off His throne. The 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 challenge is that's impossible. We're not able to take God off His throne. Look at me at Roman. Look with me at Romans three. We see that sin actually does exist. And what's important to understand is that, that God has given us his word to help us recognize how sin easily entangles us. Romans 3, 23, what does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every time we, we sin, we're, we're essentially saying that, 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 God, you have no say in how I spend my money, how I live my life. God, you have no say in this. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. That's what sin is. Sin is this, this statement to God, Lord, I will not submit to you. And it is with, we, we as believers have learned the, the, that I, I don't come to God on my own terms. I come to God saying, Lord, I surrender to you. You are Lord. That's what coming to Jesus is. It's what being saved is. It's you coming and, and, and Lord, you are Lord, I'm no longer Lord. And we're missing this in a lot of our churches today because we're just making God fit in our world. And, and, the, and the truth is, it's not how God's going to fit into my life, it's how I'm fitting into his. And this is a, a, a reality, sin is offensive to God. But, but we think, man, is, is it really that bad? I mean, some people I've heard say, gosh, isn't it a little bit of an overreaction? That, that Jesus had to die, that he had to be beaten like he was beaten and but but we're offended when the Bible says like romans three or romans six twenty three the wages of sin is death we're offended when the Bible calls us sinners we're like wait a minute I'm, i don't want to be I'm not a sinner for for all the sin and fall short of the glory of God. We want to say no uh no, no this is what's the hardest thing to come to to communicate today that sin exists and it's destructive and And uh, part of me thinks, what kind of God would make these claims? What kind of God would set these demands? Look at verse 24 in Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. We see and this is and I would love for you to write this down that that redemption and propitiation made the cross absolutely necessary. Now, I mentioned the, these two words this week this last week last Sunday, but I want to say it again. Redemption and propitiation are absolutely necessary. And it made the cross absolutely necessary. Redemption means to buy back. And what Jesus was doing on the cross as he suffered for you and me, and as we engage the instruments of suffering in a couple of weeks, I want you to recognize that this was was required for redemption, to buy you back. Redemption, Romans 3 says, we are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption. Redemption. That is in Christ Jesus. And think about this, verse 25, whom God put forward, God put himself forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The propitiation is this moment when God made you and I favorable. We were unfavorable. And propitiation is this big word that is not in our normal vocabulary, but it's this reality that God made us favorable. We were completely offensive to God until Jesus made us right. And he, he made us he, favorable to a holy God. And when we stand before God someday, we're gonna be like, oh, Lord, there's nothing because I could have done to, to make myself favorable. God, when you receive that gift, sinful people are now favorable to God. Look at Romans three twenty four and 25. Why did this happen? This was to show God's righteousness. Because God is righteous, because he is holy, sin had to be dealt with because in his divine forbearance, had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that we so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus so when you go through the passion week experience I want you to recognize that was the moment that God was showing his justice and that was the moment that he was becoming the justifier for you it's beautiful because here's the reality. We needed a scapegoat. We needed someone who could take our sins and die for them. And you know what? God knew that we needed that. God knew that, that we didn't need a military leader. The, the disciples, the, the, the Jews thought Jesus was going to come and deliver them from the Romans. But God knew that we didn't need a military leader. God knew that, that we didn't need some finance specialist in our lives. God knew that, that we didn't need a coach or some scientist to come to, into the world. God knew that we needed a savior. And he came to save us from our sin. He canceled our sin. And think about that mercy that he did on the cross for us. Um, and and it's, it's this moment that you, you come to Jesus And this happens, this transaction happens. The moment you come to him, you put your faith in him, and he takes your sin away. Has that happened to you? The Bible calls that the moment of reconciliation. You were justified, you were reconciled. And that's a big moment. Now, but I've often wondered, God, why did you have to die? Why why was it so harsh? Point number two is this, that the brutality on the cross clearly demonstrates the justice and righteousness of God. And when we see the cross, we see God's justice beautifully displayed. We see God's righteousness beautifully displayed. Look at Romans 5. Now, Brandy read this for us. Look, Look at verse 6. Let's understand this a little bit. Let's look at this deeply. For while we were still weak, Romans 5, 6 says, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And let's remember that we were ungodly. We were enemies of God. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But, But look at this. We've got to be honest about who we are when we were born, our our sinful nature, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. And I don't want us to miss this truth that God demonstrates his love by dying for us. And, And I love it that God did not just look at us and tell us that he loved us. Have you ever had those people in your life that just told you they loved you, but didn't show you they loved you? And, and God demonstrates his love for us. That even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and it was the love of God that was the cause of the cross. And, 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 and his deep love for us. It, it, this is seen in the most famous verse in the Bible. Romans 3, or John 3, 16. For God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And and and, and God's word reveals that, that God loved the world, but but the justice of God required this holy God to pay the penalty for our sin. And this is what's big is that, that, that God, this holy God, and we'll understand this one day, could not accept us in our sinful condition. And that's why he came. We were unfavorable and we forget this. Romans 5 continues, verse 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I want us to see that salvation is clearly of God. Now think about this, salvation is clearly of God, but it's also from God. Christ had to die. And, and, and the way we are justified, the way we are made right, is that is his blood was shed and sin had to be paid for by blood. And the Bible clearly reveals this, that that without the blood of Christ, God's wrath would not be satisfied. And and why is God dealing so violently with this? And, And this is a truth that the world does not like, and it makes us really uncomfortable, but God will deal violently with all evil and injustice. And and this includes our own evil. Now, even though that's very uncomfortable, we really do understand this. Because haven't we seen a judge that didn't execute justice, that didn't punish evil? And what do we say to that judge? Oh, that's a bad judge. That's a bad judge. And and when when we are offended, when when we recognize that someone offends us and and harms us, we expect justice to be done. And we've seen this in our country. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is when we're the offender, we go, oh, well, this isn't that big a deal. But we know in our hearts that justice needs to be done. And so this is this Interesting reality that, that, that a judge that turns a blind eye to injustice, we don't think that's right. And this is what God has done with our sin. So, um, verse 9, look at this. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved from, saved, excuse me, saved by him from the wrath of God. You know, and I want us to dispel a, a, a prevailing belief that I hear a lot. A lot of times we see, we, we, uh, people get a little nervous talking about the wrath of God. And, and we think, oh, well, that's an Old Testament thing. You know, in the Old Testament, God was wrathful, and God was seen as this angry God that brings famines, plagues, and suffering, and war. But in the New Testament, oh, Jesus, no, he turns the other cheek. He's love. He says, love your enemy. He does. But and the argument goes like this. The Old Covenant, God brings about all these things in the New Testament uh, that... God is In the Old Testament, God is bad-tempered, but in the New Testament, he's a lot softer. But here's something I want you to know about the Bible, and if you really study it, you understand. God's wrath and mercy are equally revealed in both the Old and the New Testaments. And if you study the Bible, you recognize that in, in both the Old, Testaments, Old Testament and the New Testament, you see God's wrath and God's mercy revealed. The Old Testament is filled with these beautiful descriptions of God's patience, God's love. But do you know that? You know that in the New Testament, it's Jesus who's giving the most vivid and, and clear pictures of hell. It's Jesus that's doing that. In the script, when the scripture talks about hell, you see, you see the the, the, the love and justice of God ratchet up. It's, it's like a, it, there's there is just as much wrath of God in the New Testament as there is in the Old. And so let's not buy into that lie. And and though it does, though in many ways what I'm preaching today is quite an unpopular message, but it's the truth. But here's what I want us to see. The cross was so harsh because the sacrifice of Christ satisfied the wrath of God. And this is the good news. that that the cross was so brutal and Jesus took that punishment for us because the wrath of God had to be satisfied and it took God himself to come and do that. But the sacrifice of Christ also reveals the grace of God. And this is the good news. This is why we need to understand this, that, that when you look at this, the, that redempt, at redemptive history, think about this, all through the Bible, you see in the Passover that, that the, the, the lamb had to be killed and, sp- and the blood on the doorpost had to be applied because the, the, the death angel passed over because of the blood you look at the study of Yom Kippur, which is the uh, Jewish feast, that that they would come and they would sacrifice a bull, a blood sacrifice would be made for the sins of the priest and the sins of the people. And, And all through scripture, here's what you see. You see God standing over the world in both wrath and love. And for us not to understand that the wrath of God is a reality on on humanity, a deserved reality, we're misunderstanding God. And this is why it moves us to be urgent to share the gospel. This is why the the wrath of God, the, the fact that Jesus was faithful to warn us about hell and say, look, God is holy and a Savior came to do something for you. As a Christian, it moves us to urgency. Like, the world needs to know this. It's, it's the responsibility of, a, of our highway authorities that put up a sign that says, hey, the bridge is out. That's called Responsibility. Because if I'm going down the highway and a bridge is out, I sure want somebody that knows it to put up a sign that says, don't fall off the bridge. And see, we've got to recognize that sin is a big deal. And it required God himself to give his blood to pay for it. And this is what the Bible reveals. And this is why when you go through the Passion Week experience and you hold those instruments of suffering, I I want you to see this. Point three is something I pray we recognize and think about. The death of Christ remains the only sufficient means of reconciliation. That it was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That was the only means for us to be reconciled to God. And this is why we should not trust in our own work, in our own power, in our own strength. Look at Romans 5, 10, and 11. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We were enemies of God. And and while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now we are reconciled we shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And the cross was so brutal because we needed a scapegoat. We needed some help and God came for us. And and we see that God on the cross is both the just one who paid for you, the only one who is just enough, to pay for your sins, he was also the justifier, the one who could justify your life and give us the opportunity to stand in the presence of a holy God and experience this amazing gift of reconciliation. Now think about that. You and I can be right with God. Wow. In the face of holiness, The punishment and suffering of Christ is this, is beautiful. When we see it in light of God's mercy, Christ who took our place. And you know, we've been reading a book by D. A. Carson called "Scandalous" about the cross, and he writes this: Do you want to see the greatest evidence of the love of God? Go to the cross. Do you want to see the greatest evidence of his justice, of the justice of God, go to the cross. It is where wrath and mercy meet. Holiness and peace kiss each other. The climax of redemptive history is the cross. Now, look back at Romans 5:11. Can you do this? Can you say this? we also rejoice in God. Can you rejoice in God right now? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Can I tell you about reconciliation? Reconciliation, the gift of reconciliation is one to receive. The the gift of reconciliation must be part of your past. Can you look at a moment in your past when you can point to, that you say, that was the moment I received reconciliation. That was the moment that that Jesus entered my life. That was the moment that that I was saved. Can I I ask you to, to, to look back at your past because reconciliation must be a part of your past. And if it's not a part of your past, maybe today's the day that God is opening your eyes and helping you see that you need this gift. Maybe you've been trusting in your own works or your own things, your own life to help you. Maybe you've not surrendered to the Lord. Maybe you came to God and said, God, I'll come to you if you do this and this. No, that's not lordship. You come to the Lord and say, Lord, you're Lord. You're Lord. Reconciliation has to be part of your past. The gift of reconciliation, you know what it produces? It produces continual life transformation. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you. And here's one of the ways you know you're saved is that the Holy Spirit convicts you, the Holy Spirit leads you, the Holy Spirit teaches you, the Holy Spirit guides you. And and this is this continual life transformation as you grow up in your faith. This is what reconciliation does. And and let me tell you this, this is a, a reality that is so important for the world to understand that the gift of reconciliation continues to produce well after the grave. And this is a truth that life is not the end. And... You know, I'm writing this, working on this book about death and dying because it's my thing for whatever reason. God, God's called me to this. And uh, one of my friends said, you know what I can't wait to see? I can't wait to see what you do when you know you're dying. I was like, well, I already know that I'm dying. I don't know when. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances at this moment, but I know that the gift of reconciliation that came to me will continue to produce well after this body dies. Do you have that hope? We're going to have an invitation, and, and, and I pray that God prepares us for, for the cross, for Easter to understand what he's done and who he is and and how he's moved us, how he's saved us, how he's reconciled us. Do you know him today? Do you need to just get on your knees today and say, wow, Lord, I just want to, I'm not going to ask you for anything. I just want to thank you for making me right. Man, man, Maybe you need to pray for somebody that you know you need to bring with you to the Passion Week. Would you just, let's let's live every day with the reality that God, you're Lord,
0: lead us.